Chegou a hora dessa gente bronzeada mostrar seu valor Eu fui a penha, fui pedir a padroeira para me ajudar Salve o morro do vintém, pendura a saia, eu quero ver Eu quero ver o tio Sam tocar bandeiro para o mundo sambar Okay, hello and welcome to Beats, Rye, and Types, the Computology and Food and Music podcast by MRB and AQ. This is episode number... 19. 19, nice. Episode number 19. And uh, you were just listening to a song called um, Brazil Pandero by Novos Baianos uh, off of their seminal... Brazilian album from I think 1969 that is uh, one of the most sought after and most well revered pieces of modern Brazilian music of all time and is something it's an album that I just can't stop listening to over and over again and I highly recommend seeking it out it's available digitally on all of your favorite streaming services and it's of just an incredible combination of folk and rock and tropicalia and mpb and samba and bossa nova and it's a it's a confluence if you will of the various uh, original brazilian musical styles of which there are many so uh, how have you been doing aq we uh, we haven't actually recorded in a little while because we we recorded those guest shows so so what's been going on with you are things well yeah things are doing good uh, getting into this kind of summer vibe over here and trying to uh, get ready for some conferences coming up and some travel coming up and nice so we were both a little bit stressed out and somewhat preoccupied and a little bit overwhelmed this week with uh, obligations that we have with various public speaking engagements and that is of course a good problem to have you know i feel very lucky to be able to like present to people and it's super exciting still that people care what i have to say and i'm sure the same goes for you and we both kind of were thinking about before the show that there there's something there's something of a show there's something of a show contents there in in that subject matter so i i think that there are some interesting questions like you know how do you prepare for a talk and how do you decide what you want to talk on and for people who are aspiring to get into public speaking maybe what are some interesting uh, things that they might want to pursue i know for me when i mentioned that i thought that this would be a good topic for us to discuss i've been developing over the course of the past like four years or so a, a kind of like style of a talk that I've been giving. So I, I think that that's like a, that's a perspective I can bring. Like when I'm preparing for a talk, I always talk about like that I'm looking for like a hook, right? Like the, I, I typically propose a talk that kind of covers an idea and I pitch it as like, hey, here's this cool idea. I think it's applicable to the audience uh, in maybe this way or that way or the other way. And then the thing that is challenging is really finding that actual hook, like really like figuring it out, figuring out what's the thing that ties the talk together and makes it less abstract and more concrete for the audience so that they have like a, a takeaway. They like are excited. I want them to be excited about what I was uh, presenting about and to want to be to like be motivated to pursuing it a little bit more and really finding for them 
what the connection is between themselves and what they do and the, and the topic. Right. And I know that I, I mean, or I think that you've done similar things. It's like, if you've given a talk about performance, you don't want to just talk about like why performance is good or whatever. It's like, it's important. I enjoy it. I've enjoyed when you've presented tools and then said, okay, here are these tools. Here's really like what they can help you. The world of application performance is this big, big thing. Here's how to cut it up into smaller pieces. And here are some tools that speak to those individual things. So is that like your, is that a technique you often use for like providing like some credence to the, uh, to your audience with respect to the subject that you're engaging them about? For sure. I think you do a, you do a really good job of, you know, speaking on very abstract topics and making them very, seem very concrete and have like very concrete ties to research and to discovery behind them, which is, which is really fascinating. And I think that's, that's, it's been awesome to watch your style develop over time. And my style is a little different. I think, yeah, I, I, I think about things in a similar way that there needs to be something on top of just presenting data or presenting research, like talks that I find that that I've seen or even I've given in the past that are like unsuccessful are like, hey, here is this tool. You should use this tool. Why should you use this tool? Here are examples of using this tool um, and or or this method or whatever it is because, you know, in the end of the day, things like that can just be summed up in a blog post. You don't need to go to a conference to to like get just data about what is out there. I mean, though sometimes you find some interesting things by attending talks like that and seeing that stuff. Usually, you know, those things are conferences aren't necessarily the best, you know, method for that that type of data data discovery and delivery. The method or the the hook that I try to provide or I I like to try to find is how do you tie these tools or how do you tie these techniques into some sort of overarching philosophy about how to write code or how to manage a team or how to do something like there has to be some underlying lesson that I have learned that I want to share that hopefully is a way is not just the the actual thought that that was a result of this way of thinking but is the way of thinking itself so that people can maybe walk away with that and think oh yeah maybe I should think about performance more as this you know, multi-tiered approach and that it's not just about numbers. It's really a relative scale thing and all this stuff that I really, you know, had to discover myself and want to share kind of a similar philosophical approach with other people. It is hard to touch on all of, on, on a lot of different points on the so-called like ladder of abstraction there, right? I mean, I actually think that there are some people who are very talented at reaching all the way across, right? Where you can really have a, a big picture message, tie it to, uh, you know, what the audience uh, is really looking for, and then also present uh, the right amount of technical detail to kind of tie the argument together or, you know, or make it more legitimate. There's definitely a poetry to being able to concisely describe implementation, right? I mean, I think that's something that I think is really fascinating is when someone is really able to kind of take a very dense, very concrete technical topic 
and kind of pull apart its show you its constituent parts and show you how they fit together and then communicate like also why you should care about that. I think that there are some people that are very talented in that. And I, you know, I don't really try to do that very often. Actually, this, this talk that I'm working on right now for next week is kind of an example of like a very, a very concrete for me kind of thing that I'm discussing, which is talking a little bit about how um, Idris, this dependently typed programming language, has this fascinating compiler tool chain that makes it trivial to output code in, a, in like a, any number of languages. Instead of pitching a talk that was this very high level, like compilers are, you know, like beautiful, like sunsets kind of talk, you know, <laughs> I, I purposefully decided to pitch something that is very concrete. Like I want to actually be talking about like code and showing how like a thing works because I think that that's a challenge. That's a, that's a style that I'd like to get better at. Uh, and so I think if I can actually explain how it works and then make people realize why it, it's interesting, then I, that will be very successful. It's yet to be seen if I'm going to be capable of doing that. But <laughs> when you were, when you were mentioning the people who are able to bridge that gap are, are, I mean, the first person that came to mind for me was uh, Dave Thomas, the pragmatic programmer guy. He gave this amazing talk at, he's probably given it a couple times, but I, I think I saw him at Scottish, the Scottish Ruby Conf probably like 2010 or something like that about Ruby's object model and how Ruby's object model works and like the, the uh, dispatch chain and stuff like that. And it's like a really very complicated concept and he was able to pretty much explain it and have a room of people from very experienced to novice people very much walk away and be like okay i understand how this works now and that was like and it wasn't like he just like dropped it on you it was like a very he he used some interesting diagrams and ways of explaining it that really made it make sense were there were there were there people that you were thinking about in that respect too, or? I think that Jim Wyrick was very good at that too. Uh, I've seen a few of his talk. I have seen a few of his talks that were really, really, really special and excellent in that regard. I think he's some. That's someone that that comes to mind. I, I think that there are there are others, but I'm not. I don't know. They're not. The names aren't flooding in right now. That's more like an. Uh, sort of a quality, an abstract quality in talks that I've admired that I've that I've seen. I mean, and I think it's interesting because people's style, maybe this is more obvious than interesting, but I'll say it anyway. People's style and the types of talks that they tend to give are kind of an interesting reflection of their interests and abilities and skills and whatnot, right? So I think that like what you and I were describing about our respective styles kind of meshes with Yes, um, you know how how we kind of see these things like in a larger sense and how the pieces fit together and all that kind of thing. So, so how about a fun question? Like, what's the what's your least favorite part of talk preparation? Like, what's what's the thing that you're always dreading when you are preparing a talk or in in the midst of it? There's probably a bunch. I think I think the big one 
Well, actually, it used to be, like, demos and doing that whole thing and, like, trying to figure out if I needed to do, like, a live demo. And then the first time I – I think it was actually the first time I ever talked to, like, an actual conference. I did a live demo, which is, like, a total mistake. And it just completely (laughs) failed, like, on stage in front of a bunch of people. And I had a bunch of people come up and, like, kind of tease me about it afterwards, which was great um, boost for confidence. (laughs) Uh, But I kept at it and, you know, and figured it out. It really used to be time, like making figuring out like how much I need to 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 do. But I think over time, over over the past couple of years, I've, I've actually gotten a pretty pretty good sense of like what can fit in ten minutes, what can fit in twenty minutes, what can fit in a half an hour, and etc. Oh, that but, that kind of time. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like timing. Oh, sorry, time, timing. Timing. Timing yeah, of yeah, the talk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Got it, got it. Not not the amount of time that it takes to prepare for a talk. But no, the no, 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 no. Like, like, of the like talk. Right. you know, it's funny because so I'm giving two talks in the next two weeks. Um, one at QCon in New York that is going to be in their engineering culture track. I'm excited about it. It's like a very honest talk about the culture and um, growth at Paperless Post. And then on s- Saturday, Mike and I both are speaking at Ruby Nation. I, I, I mean, my primary motivation for speaking at Ruby Nation was so that I can go hang out with Mike and TC, um, but, also, <laughs> but also because it seems like a cool conference and I'm excited to hang out with other Rubyists down there and do that whole thing. But yeah, th- so the QCon talk is an hour. I have to fill an hour, which I, the funny thing is like, I could easily stand up and talk for an hour. Like no one's going to stop me talking for an hour. I think at this point, Beats Ryan Types, we've like recorded, I think nine hours of content so far. So I think we, I I can stand (laughs) up and talk for an hour. I don't, I don't have a problem with that, but like having a coherent talk that flows over an hour is a challenge. And then Ruby Nation is like 25 minutes or something like that, which yeah. is like basically a lightning talk compared to the hour. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting because the Ruby Nation talk, especially that's for that one. The reason I'm worried about timing is because like basically I just have like 100 things I want to say and I'm trying to pack them into 25 minutes. It's going to be hard to like basically edit and do that thing. What about you? Is that is yeah. Oh, well, oh, I should answer the question too. My least favorite thing. I mean, I don't, I don't love making slides. I like, it's okay, but it's not, it's probably if I could have someone make them for me, I would do it. Although I do tend to, I do tend to learn by doing that. Like that has become an inextricable sort of part of my process. I've, I tend to out, I tend to use keynote as like a brainstorming not a brainstorming tool but like a um an outlining tool you know like i i like i like this like column of slides as like you know the bullet points in a in like a uh, an outline so i do you rely on that tool to get me in a place where there is flow and coherence practicing is uh really really is a very hard one for me. The most successful talks I've given, uh, I've always given them at least once to like a room full of people um, or myself or like a couple other people. And when I don't do it, the talks have a different quality to them, but they're not as tight, right? Like I think it's really important to say everything out loud that you want 
that you think you're going to say before you say it, right? And I don't know if it, I don't really know if this is like standard practice if people like give this advice a lot, but saying it out loud in front of your computer or either recording yourself or doing it in front of a mirror or not. And this is probably very personality dependent. I think that there is a high correlation between you're less likely to get lost or forget a point or or be create tangents or whatever if you catch yourself saying something out loud and you're like that doesn't make any fucking sense or like <laughs> what does that have to that might make sense but what does it have to do with like what this talk is about you know whenever i've been really nervous about my content and about my ability to like drive home that hook the only thing that has ever worked all of the times to solve those problems for me has been rehearsing the talk at least once. Since it's so important and hard, I don't like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I usually do it to the cats. Like I have my cat sit on the couch and I just, I just have the TV behind me and try to do it that way. Yeah, that's definitely, you're right. That's definitely a hard part. It's also time consuming to actually go through it and do it and like at least, you know, multiple times, you know, is, is, is pretty time consuming for sure. It's shockingly effective though. It really <laughs> yeah. is. Like it, 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 it's like, it's a, it's a low hanging fruit in your talk optimization. If you want to have the best talk and you don't, and you've never done that, do it. And I guarantee you that it will, there, there's just no chance that you're not going to change something after you rehearse it. And I think that that's all 100% of what you change before your talk is it's not the same as like futzing with and rearranging your slides like while you're in the audience waiting for your talk to start right this is like concrete don't do it unless you have time to like actually fold the feedback back into your talk but like doing it is really valuable what would be some you know tips you would give for people looking to get into public speaking or the conference circuit apply a lot um, be prepared for rejection. Um, seek feedback from uh, seek feedback from organizers when you can about why your talk wasn't chosen. Be prepared to be prepared for some rejection. That's okay. Uh, don't feel like you have to, you know, apply with the same talk over and over again. Go for something that you think is really interesting and set yourself up for a challenge. So I think I would sum it up like apply a lot getting rejected is okay you'll never get accepted if you never get rejected right that's a fact so like you have to apply once and get rejected or else you'll never get accepted anywhere um unless you get in unless you get invited which is something different and then reach like i think reaching is a good thing right like apply with something that's audacious uh that you think is that that's a goal for yourself that you want to like learn how to do. And if you have the time to do that, I think there's a little bit of my style or ideology baked into that where I really like preparing for a talk is often a means that I use to like teach myself something. Uh, and so I, it's something that it's like a forcing function for me to set aside a t set aside time to think about something that I normally like wouldn't, probably let myself dive too much into because I have other stuff to do, right? So it's a good way to like be on the hook to learn something.
Um, how about you? What's your advice for young grasshoppers? Similar. I, I think a good, I would say my best advice would be to start with like meetups, with local meetups. Like you, you don't have to start speaking at conferences specifically. Like there are tons of local, whatever programming language you're into, basically, if you live in a big city or even if you don't, like there's opportunities to speak in front of a much less um, discerning audience or still discerning, but much less people who haven't paid to be there probably. So they're, they'll give you more creative feedback and, you know, they're also more open to, you know, first timers, but also every meetup, every Ruby meetup, every JavaScript meetup, every whatever go meetup are all looking for people to talk there. Those people, organizers are desperate for people to come and talk. It's very likely that you'll just be able to get up and give a 10 minute, 20 minute, whatever talk and get a lot of very useful knowledge from that. Before I spoke at conferences, I, I attended and spoke at NYCRB a bunch and started the New York JavaScript meetup with a friend. And so, yeah, that's a big one. I would say also just like not, I would say a, a side note to the do something that's challenging. I would say also just do something that you're propose something that you're really passionate about and that you're that you're willing to go up there and really sell in a meaningful way, you know, and be excited about. I think the the best talks that I've ever seen at conferences have always been people who are genuinely truly fundamentally excited about what they're talking about and bring that passion and excitement to the stage and and share and share that. That to me is like the magic of a of a good conference or a good conference talk is like, you know, really feeling that energy that comes off. And those are the ones you really remember, I think. Like if I had to think about the talks that I've seen over the past uh, 10 years or whatever, there have been some where just someone came with so much energy that it was like everyone in the entire audience was either wrapped with attention or just like nonstop laughing. Whatever it was, there was some some energy that people brought that was really be that was really interesting because in the end of the day it is kind of entertainment it's edutainment you're trying to learn something but in the end of the day to you got to be entertained a little bit sorry to bring my like vaudeville (laughs) (laughs) skills stick to it but i think that those are all really helpful points and that um if you have a job um often uh giving an internal presentation to your company is another cool cool way of uh, potentially getting in front of some people or your cats um, cause your, uh, your, cat, your cats are bored. Let's face it. Your cats are bored and anything you can just do to just anything you can do to distract them from their ultimate, um, desire, which is the destruction of humanity, uh, the better, right? Because as our, as our mutual friend, Alexa Hirschfeld used to say, your cats would eat you if they found you dead on the floor and they were starving. So you should just keep that in mind whenever you consider a cat. They actually are meat eaters. They would, if you died and they were hungry, they would literally consume your flesh for survival. So but that's, not, that's not a judgment. That's just a fact. Alexa will be really happy that that's, of all the quotes that we have attributed to her on Beats Ryan Types, that that would be, that's the one. Shut up. Shout out to Alexa. (laughs) Cool. So, yeah, on that note. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're going to be actually live in person hanging out with each other next week. So we'll definitely do some recording then. And uh, I hope everyone's having a great 
end of spring, beginning of summer. Are we going to gather around the mic like, uh, you know, like uh, Last Waltz style and kind of like do the <laughs> singing into the same microphone yes, thing? Yeah, I think we got to get some to. documentation then. <laughs> we have to do that. All right, cool. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. See you next time. Brasil, Brasil,